him as he goes and to up to the panhandle, my neck of the woods yep. right there. Well, here's my neck of the woods now, too. I've lived here <laughs> more than anywhere else. But what a wonderful thing, and uh, we're, we're glad that you were able to come Thank and you. preach for us. These Thank first you, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Good morning, church family. Choir, thank you. Um, it, it's amazing, and I was sitting there as I was worshiping. I was sitting there thinking how amazing God is um, that through his Holy Spirit, he brings a unity. And because what I want to preach to you today is to feed off of a Corey Tim Boone quote, which I will read to you in just a minute, but it's trusting our known God with our unknown future. And it's just amazing how the theme this morning even in our graduate recognition, the theme is about trusting and knowing that God is sovereign and in control. And then the, what a perfect, perfect song to, to uh, get our hearts set on the word this morning, that we will worship God. Even when we don't feel like it, we will choose to worship God. Even when our feelings sometimes lead us astray and make us feel like God is not in control, we have to make a choice and to say, indeed, God is in control and God is sovereign. I will trust him. We call that faith. So choir, thank you. Thank you for ministering to us and ministering his word in such a, a powerful way. A couple of weeks ago when I was with you guys, uh, I preached on traps. And we identified several traps that I believe the enemy can use in our life to cause, uh, to cause us to stumble, to, to catch us where we're not growing in our faith. And if you remember, the first trap was worry, fear, and anxiety. Do you guys remember that? Just act like you do and say, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. I said to you in that sermon, John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I had us focus on that word only, and I said, that's, that's Satan's agenda for you every day. Every day, the enemy's agenda is to kill you, to steal from you, to destroy you. And he doesn't take a day off. It's interesting because the week that followed, because I wasn't with you last Sunday, but the week that followed me bringing the message on traps, and I talked specifically about worry and fear and anxiety. Some things happened in our, in our family's life where the temptation was, to worry, to be afraid. Even, even on a, a regional scale, I started to say a global scale. It wasn't global, but it was southeastern. Y'all remember the gas, the gas uh, uh, pipeline attack, right? The, hybrid, the uh, cyber attack on the gas pipeline, and, and um, it, hit our, you know, it hit the news media, and all of a sudden gas was going to shoot way up, and we were going to have all these gas shortages. And I, I did talk with some friends of mine, Jeff, up in the panhandle, and and some in the southern states that were more affected than we were here in central Florida. But um, even where we've been staying, people started panicking and going to the gas stations with all their, you know, gallon uh, gas containers and filling up extra fuel. And there was, this, there was this massive fear that swept across us. And just, it's amazing how in one instance something can happen to cause massive fear among our culture and all of a sudden, those of us who claim to have faith and believe and trust in God, something can happen. And if we're being really honest, we're tempted to have worry and fear and anxiety. Oh my goodness, how's this going to, you know, how's this going to pan out? What's going to happen? What if? And what if? And, and it was just amazing how on the heels of that sermon, temptations were to have worry and to fear 
what was going to what was going to take place. And I was reminded that yet again, our God is sovereign, our God is in control, and He never takes a day off either. Amen. And so I want to feed kind of off of that, or maybe carry that idea a little farther this morning. We're going to be in a, a story in the book of Luke. If you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5 and just kind of hold your place there, that's really where we're going to focus today. But I want to read to you this quote from one of my absolute favorite heroes of the faith. Her name was Corrie Tim Boom. She said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Never be afraid to trust your unknown future to a known God. I'm going to read that again. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Never be afraid to trust your unknown future to a known God. It's interesting because the end of the worship song the choir just sang for us, we heard Psalm 46.10. Be still. What's the rest of it, church? And know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. Two important words there. Still, be still, be quiet, and know. Have knowledge. Know that I am God. Has anyone in here ever tried to reason with someone who is, like, being hysterical in the moment? Like maybe a small kid, maybe not a small kid. But you've tried to reason with someone who's just panicking. Anybody? Yeah, how successful are you? Not. So we have the best kid in the world, and, and she was a pure pleasure to raise. But there were moments when, because of fear or because of just being a small child and not understanding, she wasn't listening to what either I was trying to tell her or her mama was trying to tell her. And so like a good parent, like we do to our kids who are kind of, you know, freaking out, we got, hey, listen, be still. It's okay. And I think God, our Heavenly Father, sometimes in our panic, has to say to us, listen, child, be still. Because right now you're so preoccupied with worry and with fear and the what ifs and how can I's and what, how's all this. Be still. Be still. Let's be honest. As a culture, we're, we're kind of uncomfortable with being still, are we not? I'm going to prove it to you. See? It took like eight seconds for the... It's just uncomfortable to be still, and I know it's not quite fair because I'm sitting here staring at you, and believe me, there's more of you staring at me than me staring at you. But it's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's weird. Like, I don't know about you, but a lot of us, we have to have some kind of noise always going, even if it's a TV in the background or music playing. We always kinda, we've kind of conditioned ourselves to just be busy and, and for our ears to be busy and for our brains to be busy. I mean, how many of you, when you watch TV at night, if you're like me, you see like 13 commercials for sleep aid, right? Because our culture has a hard time even sleeping. Why? Because we're so full of anxiety and worry and fear, and we can't even shut our brains off. And God interjects into all this busyness and tells you and me, 
be still. Because when you're still, you're positioned to listen to me. You're positioned to hear from me. You're positioned to learn from me. Psalm 46.10, be still. And then what was the second word? And know that I am God. I, I think it's written that way on purpose. I would even make the argument, we can't really know fully God in a moment if we're not being still. I think we have to be still to know. He is God. It's interesting, though, a lot of us know Psalm 4610, but the next verse says this, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of our Jacob is our fortress. Listen to that again. Be still and know that I am God. Verse 11, The Lord Almighty is with us. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means what, church? God with us. So God is with us. He's not just up there or out there. He's with us. And the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we don't have to be afraid because he is with us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that Pastor Jeff alluded to a while ago. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. As soon as I say that, many of us in this room immediately go, yep, we know that one, and that's a great one, by the way, to have in your heart, is it not? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Jesus echoed this in John when he said this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. See, church, throughout Scripture, God's telling us, I am sovereign, you can trust me. Everything that we read, the Psalms, the Proverbs, the stories in the Old Testament, Jesus echoed in the New Testament. And there's this overwhelming theme in God's Word that we can absolutely trust God. The writer of Hebrews says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of things that we don't see with our eyes. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. If you skip down just a few verses, it says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God because those who are seeking God must trust and believe that he exists. So there's this overwhelming theme of trust, and even though in our flesh sometimes we worry, sometimes we have anxiety, we have fear, things happen in our life, we're just living life day to day, and things happen on an, in our homes, things happen in our communities, things happen in our region, things happen in our country, things happen in the world, and our temptation is to worry or to be struck with fear, and in those moments we need to remember as God's people, God is sovereign. And he can use whatever is going on around me for his glory. I believe in order, though, to fully trust God, we have to land on some things. In order to fully trust God, we have to come to some conclusions, if you will. I'm just going to give you three this morning, and I know there's a little note place in the bulletin, which I think is amazing. So if you don't mind jotting these down and maybe spending some time reflecting on later, this would be a good family discussion, be something good to talk about uh, later on or sometime this week in your, in your uh, devotional time with your family or with your spouse. But I, I believe there's three things that we need to kind of land on if we're really going to trust 
God. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, a story that happened in Luke 5, to kind of give us some guidance this morning as we look at these three things. But number one, here's what you got to decide. Here's what you have to come to the conclusion. Here it is. Everybody ready? Say yes. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. In Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read the first five verses. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, I know most of you know this, but if you're new to, new to the Bible or new to Christianity, uh, new to your faith in the Lord, that's the same guy as Simon Peter. He would become Peter, the disciple Peter. So he got into one of the boats, and one of them belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little farther from the shore. And then he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. Now, let me get just really nerdy on you for a second. The reason this was is because they didn't have buildings like we did, like we do now. And so many times in public speaking, the orator would speak uh, maybe against a rock cliff or somewhere where the acoustics could echo and the crowds could hear, or they would use water. Jesus, being the master teacher, saw that he, as he was teaching, the crowds were gathering. Maybe he started with just a handful. Maybe there was 15 or 20 people hanging around, and Jesus was teaching them. And, and the more and more the crowd grew, Jesus saw, not everybody's going to be able to hear me. So he did what a lot of public speakers did back then. He used the water to help him. So he asked one of the fishermen, hey, let me, have one of your, let me have one of your boats. I'll get in the boat. I'll put out just a few feet from shore so the water and the acoustics on the water can carry the sound to more people. Pretty smart. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, this is where the story gets really interesting, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, let me ask you guys, do you see in that verse the word if? Anybody? What did Jesus say? Let's go a little deeper. And then he gave a directive. Put down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Now, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, this is a really good place to highlight or underline. Y'all ready? This next phrase. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, let me give you a little bit of context. Did you notice what Simon's answer was? Master, we've worked hard all night. Everybody see that? The kind of fish that they were catching typically were only caught at night. If you do a study on Simon Peter, you're going to find out that Simon was actually pretty wealthy. His father and his father's father, and for generations, had a fishing fleet and had several boats, had many boats. And Simon had inherited this fishing business, and, was, and it was quite lucrative. He knew what he was doing. He was a professional commercial fisherman. The type of fish that they were catching was typically caught only at night, and they had been out all night with his fleet, and they did not have a successful night. Kind of sounds like me, Pastor Jeff, when I go fishing with my dad. I catch nothing. Dad catches everything. Now, notice what Jesus said. Hey, Simon, the guy 
who owns this business, who does this for a living, who if anybody on this shore is qualified to make a call about catching fish, it's you, Simon. Hey, Simon, let's go out in the deep water and let's, catch, let's let down our nets and let's catch some fish. Now, notice Simon's answer. Lord, this makes no sense. Number one, I'm an authority on this subject. I do this for a living. We've been there. We went there last night. We were not successful. There is no good reason to do what you're suggesting I do. The only reason I'm going to do it, why church, is because Jesus, you said so. I think in our life, the reason we struggle in our faith and the reason we struggle in our obedience is because it doesn't make sense to us. And God gives us a leaning towards something. God speaks to our spirit and leads us to do something, but it doesn't make sense up here. It doesn't make sense to maybe our family, or it doesn't make sense to our friends, even when we try to explain. I really feel like the Lord is leading me to go here and do this, or to go here and do this. And our friends go, that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. And we begin to, to judge, well, maybe, yeah, you're right, it doesn't make sense. Maybe I shouldn't do this. So I'm going to go ahead and just say this. I think a lot of times, not some of the time, not a minority of the time, I think a majority of the time, when we step out in obedience and we follow where the Lord is leading, a majority of the time, it's not always going to make sense. Not even to us. Let me ask you this. If it made sense, would we need faith? Yes or no? No. Our faith is what allows us to say, okay, this doesn't really make sense, but God, because you say so, I'm going to do this. Years ago, I've told this story several times. Years ago when we were living in Titusville, right across from where we lived was Fox Lake Park. Fox Lake Park had a, a mile track around it at the time, and that was my running route. And so I'd go out in the mornings and I'd go run, and one particular morning I was out there. I was pastoring what was then Westside Baptist Church. It's now Gateway Community. I was pastoring Westside. I was a chaplain with the Titusville Police Department and uh, plugged into the community, loving life. I was out there on a run one morning, and I had my... Uh, my music in my ears, and uh, I was listening to some good, upbeat music, Christian music. It was keeping me going, and uh, I, Petra. I was listening to Petra, Jeff. I just dated myself. Man, I was rocking it out too, man. And I was out there running, and I'm sweating, and it's hot, and it's, but I'm having the time of my life. And I go by this young lady. I'd put her probably 21, 22, 23, something like that, sitting on a rock. And I, as I go by her, I saw that she'd been crying. So I go by her, and the Holy Spirit said to me, go tell her I love her. And I'm running, and I went, that doesn't make sense. And y'all, I'm not even making this up. I spent the next mile bargaining with God, convincing God that he indeed was wrong in telling me to do that. As I argued with God that mile, I used all kinds of fun excuses like, I stink, she's a young lady, I'm an older guy, I don't want her to think I'm some creepo. Um, I used all the excuses that I could. If my heart rate goes down, I, then I won't resume my run, and it'll, it'll ruin my workout plan. And, and God wasn't having any of that. He just kept saying, go tell her I love her. So I took another lap. And this time I said, okay, God, if she's still there, the next time, when I come back around the rocks, if she's still there, then I'll tell her. Wouldn't you know, she's still there. So I took another lap. I'm just teasing, but if she's still there this next time, the third time around, she was still sitting there. So I took my headphones off, and I got probably 10 or 15 feet, and I said, excuse me, ma'am. She looked up, and she said, yes. I said, 
I know this is going to be the weirdest conversation you've had in a long time. First of all, I'm not a creepo. My name's Jeremy Gates. I pastor Westside Baptist Church right down the road. I just live right over there. Uh, I said, I'm a chaplain with our police department. I said, and I'm just out for my morning run, and I know this is going to sound crazy, and please, please don't, just please understand, I've got to be obedient to God. Certainly, I'm a follower of Christ, and God keeps telling me to tell you he loves you. I don't know what that means. I don't know why you need to hear that today, but I just want you to know that God loves you. She said, can you talk for a minute? I said, absolutely. If you can stand it, sure. I'll keep my distance because I, I was pretty right. And she chuckled, and we sat there, and we talked. I shared the plan of salvation with her. She was going through a really rough time. She had some family issues going on, relationship issues going on, personal struggles going on. She grew up in the church, left abandoned the church, so to speak, abandoned her faith when she was in high school. We sat there and talked, and I shared the plan of salvation with her. She thanked me. I said, can I pray with you? She said, sure. I said, what's your first name? She told me. Well, I'm just going to pray for you by name. If you ever need anything, I'm just two miles down the road. You can knock on the door, ask for Pastor Jeremy. I'll be here, and I promise I'll look and smell much better. She let me pray with her church family. I never saw her again. Things don't always make sense. But when God leads us to do something, we just need to be obedient. And I was very convicted because I tried to bargain with God. I tried to reason with God and make it make sense to me before I was obedient. But here's what I've learned. When I step out and obey God, many times it doesn't make sense. Simon said, Lord, I'll do it only because you say so. The second thing that I believe we have to determine is either God keeps his word or he doesn't. The first thing we need to nail down is either Jesus is Lord or he's not. I choose to believe he is. But the second thing we need to understand, the second thing we need to come to a conclusion to in our heart is this. Either God keeps his word or he doesn't. The story goes on in Luke chapter 5. And when they had done so, so remember, Simon says, okay, because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Verse 8. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Does this surprise any of us? Not sitting here today reading it, no. But can you imagine being Simon or being one of his employees? Can you imagine working for him? You'd been out with him all night. You didn't catch anything. Jesus tells you to do something crazy, so you go out. Wrong time of the day to catch this fish, but you do it anyway, only because Jesus said so. Now you're catching so many fish that the boats are literally beginning to sink. Can you imagine being part of that story and how amazing that was? Hey, by the way, is this the only time Jesus ever blew the disciples' minds with doing immeasurably more than they could even fathom? Remember the story we looked at several weeks ago when he fed the multitudes of people? Do you remember how many baskets were left over? Twelve. One for each disciple? Yeah, every time God does something, every time God honors his word, he does it way bigger than we could ever imagine. 
What is he waiting on us for? He's waiting on us to simply be obedient. You see, when I determine that either Jesus is Lord or he's not, and I determine he is Lord, then that helps me then be obedient. James Dobson said years ago that obedience is the right way, right away, and all the way. Anything less than that is not obedience. I'm going to say it again. Obedience is the right way, attitude, right away, timing, and all the way, integrity, excellence. See, you can tell someone to do something, and they can, I know you probably never did this, but I can remember growing up, my mom telling me or my brother to go clean our room or go put the laundry away that she folded and put on our bed so neatly. And I can remember saying, can I, after this commercial, y'all remember that? Did y'all ever do that with your parents? Son, I need you to go do this. Can I wait till after this? Can I wait till after that? That's not obedient. Obedience is right away. I know this won't shock you because y'all know my parents. The answer was always no. Obedience is not only right away, it's the right way, with the right attitude. And I believe sometimes, even though we are doing the act of obedience, God leads us to do something, we're like, okay, that's not the right way. And God can't honor that. Or maybe we say, okay, God, sure, yeah, I'll do what you're leading me to do, but we don't put our whole heart in it. We just do enough. That's not obedience. Obedience is nothing less than doing something the right way, right away, all the way. And I give props to Simon in this story, because he did it. God, this doesn't make sense. Jesus, this doesn't make sense. But let's do it. And then God kept his word. Jesus kept his word. Something for you and me to remember is that God always, always honors his word. You young people that are graduating high school and even you guys that are graduating college, man, what a huge milestone. Congratulations. That's awesome. It's been like maybe five or six years since my graduate recognition. But, <laughs> but seriously, what, what a huge milestone in your life. And, and you're so blessed. Number one, you're blessed to have a church family. You're blessed to have a family that saw fit to have you in church. And you're blessed to have a church family to love you and support you and pray for you. And now more than ever, our faith, our faith is what's going to get us through because we're, you know, we, we look out into the landscape of all that lies ahead and it can be troubling. But God is still sovereign. God is still in control. And so young people, I mean all of us, you young people, if you'll solidify these conclusions in your heart, Oh, you'll save yourself so much anguish and so much pain and so much heartache. As a pastor, I had the opportunity to lead all kinds of people to Christ and, and to see all kinds of people from all ages come to know Christ. But I'll, I'll just be real honest with you. I always love seeing children and young people give their heart to the Lord. I've baptized many, many, many adults. I've baptized quite a few senior adults. One of the saddest things that I would hear over and over would be people who would confide in me and say, Pastor, my only regret is I didn't find Jesus sooner. My only regret is that I didn't say yes to him when he tugged at my heart 40 years ago. I've wasted so much of my life. And, of course, I would always encourage them and say, yeah, but you're still living, and it's not too late today. But Oh, to have it when you're young, what a blessing. And so I congratulate you on this milestone, and I will certainly be praying for you as you launch out. Oh, I hope you'll come to the conclusions that many of us in this room have, that Jesus indeed is Lord. Secondly, that God absolutely always keeps his word, he honors his word. And not only does God always honor his word, God always honors us who honor his word. Amen, church?
God always honors us when we obey his word. The third thing that I believe we need to come to a conclusion on is this. Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Either God keeps his word or he doesn't. The third thing is this. Either God's timing is perfect or it's not. Either God's timing is perfect or it's not. Now, I could probably not just continue to go on this third point from many, many hours, I could probably do an entire series on God's timing. Because I know for a fact, a lot of us in this room have a problem, if you're like me, because I know I do, with the word wait, right? We don't like to wait. We don't like to, we want things yesterday. If we're third in line, we get antsy. We pull up to a drive-thru, if there's three cars in front of us, we feel like we're going to be there forever. I don't have time for this. My daughter loves Chick-fil-A. But I, I, I t you can't find a Chick-fil-A that doesn't have 53 cars wrapped around it. <laughs> right? And so we'll, it doesn't matter what city. Birmingham, Melbourne, it, it doesn't matter. Orlando, you go to a Chick-fil-A, there's more cars wrapped around that than you can imagine. And so every time it's like, hey, where do y'all want to eat? Miranda's like, Chick-fil-A. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but i got to give props to Chick-fil-A. Man, they know what they're doing. They get you in and get you out pretty quickly, so props to them. My point is, we don't like to wait for anything. And we feel like we're really being inconvenienced if we have to wait just but a few minutes. I know I, we're not the only generation to struggle with this. My grandma used to say something about a pot. Hang on, I'll see if I can get it right. A watch pot doesn't boil, is that right? Is that, am I saying it right, right? My grandmother's been dead for 20 years, so she said it to me a long time ago. A watch pot doesn't boil. Here's... Here's what I say. A watch burrito doesn't microwave. Right? You ever stick a burrito in the microwave for a minute and watch the clock? It's like you, the Lord's going to return before this thing's done. We don't like to wait. We get impatient. And so when God says, hey, I'm going to do things on my timetable, many times in our flesh, we don't like that. No, God, I need you to do it now. I mean, I prayed, and I've prayed several times. Why haven't you answered me the way I want you to answer me now? So in our heart, we've got to come to some conclusions, and one of those is either God's timing is perfect or it's not. I may not understand this timetable. I may not understand why he's not answering my prayer the way I want him to answer it right now, but I have to trust, I have to trust that God's timing is perfect. So the story continues. And when Simon Peter saw this, so the nets are so full that the, the, they bring the catch on board and the boats are now beginning to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Now that's kind of a, an odd statement because we don't use that phrase, but that was really a, a, a phrase of respect. In other words, Jesus, you're a holy man. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. That's why Simon said that. He said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Hmm. Let's name some disciples. Do we see some other disciples in this little story right here? Yes or no? Why do you think Jesus chose this day? this time for this to take place? 
because he was getting ready to call Simon, and James, and John, and some other guys that were part of a very lucrative business who had families, who had established business. He was getting ready to call them away to follow him. Where? They didn't know. To do what? Jesus would tell them when they got there. So Jesus' timing in this story is perfect. Jesus knew that Simon and his companions had been out there all night. Jesus knew what they were trying to catch. Jesus knew they were unsuccessful. And so he used this incredible story, event, to teach them a lesson that even he was sovereign over his own creation. I believe he was testing their obedience. I believe he was teaching them a lesson about his provisions and about his timing. He was preparing these men for what lie ahead. With you and me in our walk with Christ, there are things that happen that we don't always understand. Situations come up. They don't make sense. We catch ourselves saying, God, why? And when those moments happen, dear follower of Christ, because it will happen, when those moments happen, family, when those moments happen, church family, then in those moments, if you've concluded, Jesus indeed is Lord, God indeed does keep his word, and God's timing indeed is perfect. If you will solidify that in your heart, you will get through those times when you don't fully understand, and you will come out shining like the stars in the heaven. You will be one of those heroes of faith that the writer of Hebrews talks about. And when we do that, and others see us doing that, it ministers to them. I close with this very simple story. Not to brag, not to boast self, but simply to make a point. I shared with you guys, and many of you in this room walked with us through the journey when Miranda was eight years old and had her open heart surgery. And it was a very touch and go time for us. And it was just, life got all scrambled for us in the matter of just a month. I told you several weeks ago, one of the most touching things as a pastor that ever happened to me was the Sunday morning before the Monday we took Miranda to All Children's Hospital in St. Pete. I had asked some of the leadership to meet us at church before the church got there because this wasn't about a show or putting on a show. Would you meet me there at 7.30? We're just going to fall on our, our faces before the Lord, and we're just going to pray and seek God and just ask his will to be done. And if it's his will that Miranda have a successful surgery and we get to keep her, then praise God. If it's his will to take her, we'll still praise God. So several of the men and their wives met us on that Sunday morning. We prayed, and it was a very, very meaningful time. Miranda had her surgery on Monday came home with us on Friday. She made a wonderful recovery over the next several months. One Sunday after church, a lady came up to me. Just so you don't think I'm making the story up, her first name is Diane. Diane came up to me and she said, PJ, can we talk for a minute? I said, sure. We sat down in the pew over here, the front pew, and she said, I've been watching you and Miss Kristen over the last several months. From the time you told the church family about Miranda and just all through it and even the months following and I've been watching, I've been listening to you on, the, on your sermons or on the platform, but I've been watching. I've been watching you and watching 
Miss Kristen, and I just want you to know, watching you guys go through that has meant so much to me because I'm struggling with some things in my own walk. I'm really struggling in my faith, but I got a renewed, I have a renewed sense of God's presence in my life and God's faithfulness to me and what's going on in my life, and I just want to say thank you. By the time she was finished, I was in tears, and I said to her, Diana had no idea. Please know that whatever you've seen, the glory goes to God and, and the glory goes to our Lord Jesus because any strength you've seen, it's been the strength of our Lord. I can promise you that. And I said, so thank you for that. And I'm humbled, but glory to God. We embraced and it was a very, very sweet moment. What's the point? Here's the point. When you've solidified in your heart, Jesus is Lord. God does keep his word, and his timing is perfect. It doesn't just minister to you, it ministers to others. And isn't that what this is all about, yes or no? So others are watching, and others are learning. Parents, your children. Grandparents, your grandchildren. For all of us, your friends, your co-workers. And people you don't even know are watching you, are watching you, and they're learning. And when they see you go through something, and you allow your faith in God to carry you through, and you will say in the midst of that storm what the choir sang earlier, I will still worship. Oh, it means so much and ministers to so many more. And that's God's design. I hope this has blessed you this morning. I hope it's encouraged you as a church family. I have thoroughly enjoyed being with you guys this month. And Central Baptist Church has a special place in my heart will always have a special place in my heart uh, for me, for my family, and I've been honored to be with you. And I'm going to be praying for you guys as uh, you seek God's man for you and family for you as a, as a pastor and a pastor's family. I know you are a praying church family. I know you have been and will continue to seek the Lord in all things. And so I just want you to know I love you. I'm going to be praying for you as you go through that process and through that journey. And just remember, uh, through the journey, uh, even what we talked about this morning, God's faithful. Amen? And his timing is perfect, so don't get discouraged. Just keep your focus on him and let God be God. May God add his blessing to his word. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this simple story, and yet so profound. We see the act of obedience even in the midst of something that just didn't make a lot of sense. Something that Jesus was asking, it just didn't make sense. But God, we see Simon stepping out and being obedient. Lord, I pray that that would minister to our hearts and that we would be the same way. Father, our obedience to you would be right away, the right way, and all the way, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't have all the answers. May, we, may that just grow our faith and our trust in you. Father, I thank you that you not only are able, but that you do immeasurably more than all that we could fathom. And I thank you, God, that you do it when you want to do it, not when we demand it. So I thank you for being our Lord. I thank you for honoring your word, and I thank you that your timing is perfect. And I pray that we would solidify that in our hearts today and even as a church family. And then, Father, I pray for Central Baptist Church. 
God, I just pray that you continue to be faithful to them, that they would, as they continue to seek you, that you would work all things in your timing for your glory and for your purposes. Because, Father, we all recognize and acknowledge the greater purpose is that all would know Christ and that you would use this church in this community as a lighthouse. Father, I pray that you would keep the enemy away from this church family, keep the enemy away from the process that they're in right now in seeking a pastor. And God, that you would just give them a, a, a wonderful, peaceful season during this time of waiting. God will certainly thank you in advance. So I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're doing today. And I thank you for what you're going to do in the future. And then God, finally, I pray that if there's anyone here today, whether they're joining us online or here in person, who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that God, today, through your Holy Spirit, you would touch their hearts once again, that they would realize that you love them and you have a plan for their life, and that plan begins with knowing Christ. God, give them the courage to make that need known, that desire to know you, and then, Father, that we would be faithful in leading them to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you as we lay all this at your feet, asking your will to be done. And I pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.